Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Collecting allowed me to live vicariously through my sports heroes. I'd love to see that type of marketing. Michael's talking about marketing the hobby. How about the mantle? The, the Ty Cobb, the Ruth, at the same time, the guys that just won the World Series in this general zip code area. And feel that perception. Baseball status, town ball. They were out on the field, the, the, the Wagner, the Cobb, the Ruth, the Mantle, and then these guys cold crushed it. That'll get them into the card shop, and that'll get them into the new stuff. Secondly, sports aspires toward meritocracy. It's statistics, it's individual, it's fairness. Life is freaking unfair. Business could be unfair. A lot of people get an unfair advantage. This is an environment where there's a level of fairness that we could, we could have these kids understand that through the modern cards, but also an awareness of what happens if you actually invest in this stuff and over many decades, what you could actually own. Not a pop and drop, not I flipped it on my Pelican case, but I kept it over X years. I didn't go to college on it, but I had enough that, that I made over time, right? But that's why American kids are turning away from baseball. I know. Like I it is merit-based. Yeah. You can't yeah. say, hey, I, I'm a victim of a, of a pitcher that threw an unfair pitch to me that I missed. I struck out. It's not fair. I need to have coach pitch. The third thing, it's a great introduction to business. I made some money for college uh, selling sports cards in the 80s. Honestly, I feel like I've learned so much through that experience of flipping those cards the way those kids are doing. It opened up my worldview to business in general. There could be ways to incent that and not look down upon it as well, right? There's two sides of it, right? We see the Pelican case and part like, why are you pulling that on the case while I'm looking at the card? But part of me is, he's a young guy. He's trying to figure out his game a little bit, right? Yes, sir. The other thing is, I don't think we found a common connection with, I think a lot of these younger kids like bling. They like the shiny red, what's one of 10, one of one, one of five, whatever. Maybe those same kids could see the beauty of the patina that we see in the older parts. The fact that, okay, whatever it's rated, but the fact that it has rounded corners and it went through many hands over time. There's a commonality there that we could pull these younger kids into that maybe they would like some of the vintage stuff that's being flipped on, whatnot, whatever. Then the history of it, can we pull them into that a little bit? Can we get them into a place where they understand a little bit of the history behind it? Not because it's a history class and it's boring, but because it actually pulls you into something that you kind of into, right? I think we lost the OCD itch that I've got, the completionist, the throwing out base cards I want to throw up. Are you kidding me? You're throwing out cards of heroes, Corbin Carroll base cards you're throwing out? What are you doing? So is there a way we can get them to understand? I'm trying to get you to understand. But there's always been a problem no. with base cards. In 1985, no. when my friends Hans and Hank owned a little card store in Garfield, New Jersey, and people would open the 85 Topps packs. If you didn't get Gooden or an Olympic card, or Eric Davis would eventually get there, but Clemens, but if you didn't get one of the hot cards at the time, and this is pre-inserts, you would leave the cards on the counter. I think two years later, they had Mark McGuire rookie cards that had been left on their counter. That problem has been going on at least since the 1980s. Look, Fanatics is trying this, right? I don't like taco fractors, but there's a hunt for something, and maybe you get that main thing, and then you'll expand upon that. And, Pull and, it in. But the new definition of a common card is anything that doesn't go in a showcase. Anything that's not graded or gradable. And so the dollar box cards are 
almost considered commons, the quarter box for sure. And they're really not. You can find some good cards in quarter boxes. You and I. But do. they're the cards that would be left behind, Rob. No. But the story of the treasure hunt has to be told. The story of the people that left the Maguires on the table and then they became PSA tens. Those stories have to be told, marketed, shared. Because fanatics wants to make it on the new stuff they print, but what they're not realizing that's is true. there's a history here that goes back but, to where you are not fanatics. You make your money when you sell. That's why they wanted to be involved in every part of the selling process. Because otherwise, the only place you make your money is when you print your cards and then sell them. The, the problem's going to get worse because fanatics will inevitably go public and then they'll even have a shorter time horizon mindset of quarterly earnings instead of deferred gratification. There's going to be pressure on them. And by the way, they do more have their marketing has to appreciate the history of the hobby, and that's why I think people involved in this a long time have to have a voice in that. Otherwise, it's just going to be printing and blah 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 and throwing stuff away, and it's worthless. If they don't appreciate the, the many decades of collectors, it's going to fall. Okay, our friend Dave here is at least tangentially involved with a comp with at least one company that produces cards. So I'd be curious if you've had talks about this with the people you work with. No, but I can say that when I was working at Beckett 15, 20 years ago, we used to feel the same way that you were feeling about the cards that got left on the counter, and, and I totally agreed, and it was one of those things where they'll just be thrown away, and then there'll be less of those, and they'll make it more valuable. Now, the truth of the matter is, those people that are leaving those on the counter, they're right. Tops is shipping pallets of 2023 to every Costco in the country. That means those cards are still being printed, the same ones that were printed in December of 2022, of the 2023s. The quantity of cards that are being made, if any collector really knew, unfortunately, Ty, what not into this, I couldn't have told you what not did six months ago, but since then I've started playing around and probably buying some things on Impulse that I didn't know. Some of that ended up being some packs that I thought were cheap. So I bought some Heritage packs, ripped them open, they might have been two or three years old, I hit the rookies from those years, and I thought, oh, well, at least I'm gonna get my money back. I base things on, am I gonna send it to Com C, or are they worth more than a dollar? Those rookies, a guy I would have perceived that I wanted to get out of the pack was not worth sending to Com C because I wasn't sure I could get a dollar. That was that key rookie guy. That's purely based on production, because I'd look on Com C, there's 50 of them on there. are key rookie guys. Young guns in hockey where there's 600 of them right. starting at two cents. So before I started to open the pack, I perceived I would have wanted Sam's inserts and autos. And them. The ones that I thought I wanted had literally no value. So what that suggests is if we really try to educate the public, is that a losing battle? Once they figure it out. What are we educating? We need to educate them and tell them how much of this stuff. Don't invest in a base rookie card. Can we affect that? The hobby as a whole. Who's telling people not to go to Las Vegas? Even if they did, wouldn't they be wasting their breath? Because <laughs> Las betting. Vegas is fun. You go. Sports betting, same way. But I just think, I don't want to buy new stuff. I don't want to spend $20 to end up with five. Five plus an experience. True. But there's still cards that I, like, for some reason, I'm a sucker for Topps Holiday. I think it's a just unique, fun product. So I'll go buy 50 bucks, 80, whatever a couple of boxes cost. Just literally knowing I could burn $40 or I could buy these boxes. <laughs> Those are my choices. Or you could go to, <laughs> go to the movies and watch the same movie three in a row. But people aren't doing it for the pure enjoyment of it. The lottery aspect. A couple years ago, 
I pulled a, the triple SSP mic trap for the one that's super whatever in a you know reindeer outfit. It's in a box at my house. I didn't even. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The only care. way this works is if you increase demand substantially. The synergy he's got at Fanatics is he's selling jerseys to a lot more people. He's selling cards. He's got to cross pollinate those databases. He's got to market these folks. I buy an Aaron Judge jersey on Fanatics.com. I get an offer of stakes. I want an offer for the, the Yankees team set. Whatever, you, you got to increase demand. They're aggressive. Now, they call you. They no, but you now they're going to say, Rob, you missed out because you didn't get the first off the line Aaron Judge jersey. And we're going to have another first off the line on the next season we do. And so get ready because it's going to be really expensive. Now, you know what? He may have breathed on it. But it's going to be the first manufactured jersey that he didn't wear. <laughs> We're going to have a, a serious <laughs> problem, right? This is going to be worse it's than the, the West. It's clear. With interest rates, we're going to have a very serious trough for about that. Yeah, because we don't figure out the it seems like there's no attention span anymore. Right? I mean, Has there ever been an attention span? That's why they can't build sets, right? Or they try and build a rainbow for three years, and there's 46 parallels, and they're missing one out of five, and they can't find it. And Panini tells them they're on their own continent, and to go search Asia. Or, hey, do you need to go to counseling? For yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a personal trauma. <laughs> your voice. It's not How fair. many one-on-ones does a player have in a year, right? In Prism in 2023, and I have all three, and I have 45 of the 46 parallels. Oh, oh, every player? No, Maxi Kleba. Exactly. If, if, if instant gratification doesn't allow for a massive demand increase, it's going to shift right back to long-term collectors. And that's why I say, what is the reason we were collecting to begin with? Instant gratification to. sells. <clears throat> and that's harder and harder to deliver when you're making quantity. That's why they can't use Game 1 anymore. There's just not enough. Joe, you run a very ethical store. Do you you stay out of the over-promotion and the over-hyping? We don't high-pressure anybody, no. whether it's buying from us or selling to us. We, we put it out there, we give them a variety of options, let them choose. We'll educate the consumer on what's possible in this product, what are the hits you're chasing. We strive for maintaining the collectors who just come in. They, they want their Topps Factor set, even if there are a million of them, they still want their Topps Factor set. What, what do you think about Jeff Wilson's Superstore concept? Is that going to impact you, or is it going to be a, a trend? Jeff and I are really, he's, we're really he's, good friends. I'm saying he's a chart guy. Is he ahead of the curve, or is he getting out there too far? Time will tell. It's a very bold move. He's going to be located about an hour from us. We work very closely with them. We handle their grading submissions for their online customers. and um, We have a great relationship, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope there'll be some synergy between our two stores, because we're not really direct competitors geographically, right. we're too far from each other, but I like both of his new partners. Uh, one, one's been a regular customer for a while, and they're both very sharp, and so I think they will do a great job helping because it 14,000 square feet, feet yeah. you got a lot of space to cover. Yeah. Now that's going to include his studio. He's going to have me a break. You got an 80,000 square foot building. We couldn't fill it up. A 40,000 square foot? 14, 14, 14. 14. 14. <laughs> <laughs> no, David Adams has a 40,000 square foot building, but that includes the warehouse. That's a warehouse. Yeah. Let's get real. It's obscenely what, risky. What's, what's so why do you think he brought in partners? 
if it's not risky, he does it himself. Well, part of his vision, which is very unique, is they're going to try to do live streaming 24-7. So they're going to have showcases filled with cards, live streaming all, all day, all night. Like Burbank. Yeah. I bet your warehouse is pretty cool, too. It's big. I need to work on organizing it. We're about to change locations, actually. I'm looking at moving from 3,200 to about eight. Doubling your size. Doubling up based on just warehouse and store. But you have not had trouble getting good employees. Are you saying uh, that? When I have them, I pay them a lot because I want to. That's a secret. I feel like I'm overpaying, but at the end of the day, they're staying in their loyal. So I've that means you're overpaying, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, considering I watched, I watched. We have three golden full-time employees that are the best thing ever. One girl I give a month of vacation to. She's been with me for so long. And then I have four part-timers. Golden means 50 years golden older? Just, golden means they're great. Oh, I thought Golden meant that, they're, that they yeah. also do stuff for Kenny. senior citizens. <laughs> so we're, not, we're in Mansfield right now. <coughs> okay. this, I've only done the retail thing. I did retail when I was an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. Then when eBay came along, I retired from retail. Retired from traveling. And sat behind a computer for 10 years. And uh, Kyle pulled me out in 2011, cold called me, and said, hey, I'm doing shows. I was like, who are you? Leave me alone. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I see you're buying stuff on Craigslist. He called every guy on Craigslist <laughs> in town looking for collections, saying, hey, will you keep buying deals out from underneath me on Craigslist here? I was like, oh, okay, I'll try your show. And I tried a couple of his little baby shows. <clears throat> Rich remembered me because my brother and I lived out here even in the 90s, 80s. I, I remember having my dad write the first check to get Beckett's to my first store in 91, 92. And my dad would have to write checks to get the magazines so we could put them out. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. Now, we, we just got back into this about a year and a half ago. I told the guy I hired, if we do $500 a day, I'm content in sales. I survive on mail order and eBay, Amazon. Um, yeah, I was going to say, how many Walmart. different how many different venues do you use to sell? We're on five to six different venues that we multi-channel list on or just push inventory to each one. And that's a task in itself. I'm literally your hustler, the guy you've never but, known about. But you're a business guy. But I'm a business guy. And you're guy. not swayed by the emotion of the thrill I can of no rights going right now. Down. You are you are stepping back and saying, I think this will work, and then you're and leaning into it. I've been going into it every year, and yeah. I try to adjust accordingly to what Amazon wants, to what Walmart wants, to what Target Do, wants. Is there too much emotion in the industry? We don't want to get rid of it, but if some of the people that are making emotional purchases. I wouldn't want to. I'm taking it really slow. I look at it as this car shop to my retirement. When I decide to retire, I'll keep the shop. When I get sick of the business, the shop is where I'm going to go. And, hey, wife, I'm, I'm going to leave for six hours. I'm going to the car shop and sell my vintage. I just want to be a vintage dealer that travels the country that sells my... But then my customer base might be dead by the time I'm ready for are you, that. Are you, are you car shops places where people want to hang out? Part of the Instagram gratification is Joe hanging out at the shop, no. completing the next set, hearing about the new release. Wholesale. I'm wholesale right. and, 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 and I'm trying the shop yeah, thing, but it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I, it's we, we tell people we're cheers without the alcohol. He's yeah. trying to cater to everyone, but my biggest customers are breakers who come in and spend three, four figures. 
the only industry there. where you compete with your customers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> your customers <laughs> buy from you and then compete with you. And then yeah. go compete. Everyone wants to be a breaker. Every customer. Everyone can. Everyone can. And whatnot. Yeah.